Hey everyone, it's Richie Burke and welcome back to the Go-Getters podcast brought to you by go Get It Marketing and Media, ggmm.io and our friends over at On Milwaukee Inn. No matter where you are in life regarding business, relationships, athletics, and finances, sometimes you just need to look in the mirror and say, I'm ready to step my game up. I'm ready to chase excellence. And today, that's exactly what we're here to help you do. We have such a great guest lineup on this week's show. I've decided to bring in two guest hosts for backup to make sure we don't miss a beat and we are helping everyone get to the next level. For my guest host, first, we have Joe Stanton, hailing from Boston, Massachusetts. He was a recreational hockey standout at Fairfield University, member of the Wisconsin Sports Hall of Fame Scramble Championship Team 2021, and he's also the managing director at Three Leaf Development with Pat Connick. Joe, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you for coming. Um, on my left, as the second and final co-host, we have Patrick Lubar, a rising star on the Milwaukee business scene from Exonia Bank. He was the captain of the Wisconsin Sports Hall of Fame Scramble Championship Team 2021, who drafted Craig Nall, former Packers quarterback, who will be joining us in about 20 minutes. And he recently attended Joe Katz about a month ago with myself and my puppy Oakley when... My puppy's mom, Bree, was out of town for the night. We brought him there. Got dragged there, but excited to be here. Thanks, you, Richie. You got dragged there. And I think the first life tip, I mean, that was, that was a good move. We had a lot of girls just coming up to us. So if any single guys are out there and they can bring a miniature golden doodle to Joe Katz, smart decision. Um, for our first guest, when anyone talks about elite businessmen in the Milwaukee, Madison, and Janesville areas, there is always one name that is synonymous, and that man is here with us today. Before dominating the construction industry, he played football at the University of Oregon under Chip Kelly from 2004 to 2007. He was a participant in the 2006 Las Vegas Pioneer Bowl. And... <laughs> <laughs> And a 2000 <laughs> keyword <laughs> participant in the 2006 Las Vegas Pioneer Bowl. Sorry for the laughing. We were just very excited right now. Um, and a 2007 Sun Bowl champion. He is on the Big Brothers Big Sisters Fund Development Committee, a skilled hunter, fisher, and a beer and whiskey connoisseur. He is the 2019 Hone Classic champion that was hosted at GGMM. It was like a decathlon of beer pong, bags, and one other activity that's not coming to my mind right now. And he's here with us today, Sean Cullen of JP Cullen. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Appreciate that intro. You're welcome. And it was, uh, we were gambling on the Bucks game. That's right. And you, you just killed it at all three. I mean, <laughs> Joe, did you want, did you have, did you have a question to kick things off with? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll kick things off. So, um, you know, Richie highlighted, uh, you know, Sean, your, your very impressive resume. Um, but something really stuck out to me when I was, uh, when I was reading it, um, and hearing it, I see that you're the 2019 Hone Classic champion as, as Richie mentioned. Um, I wanted you to touch briefly on that outstanding achievement and all that it uh, took to come home with that hardware. Um, maybe share any tips or, or anything that comes to mind. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. I think there's quite a few things that you can draw out of that. Um, first, a lot of it's luck, you know, you got to take advantage of the luck and the gambling portion of it. Um, we lucked into Giannis and that pretty much sealed the deal for us on it. And then 
One other thing you can kind of look at is it's about teamwork. If you're a really great leader, you've got to adapt your leadership for each person that's on your team. So you got to find their strengths and weaknesses. Beer pong, cornhole. I was actually carried on the cornhole. My partner was pretty good. And being on uh, beer pong, you know, I carried the team a little bit. But two things from that that you learn, you can apply to leadership and business. Yep, I love that. John, if you if you could be kind of humble here, I mean, you turned down probably a pretty lucrative potential NFL career and all the fame and glory and women and endorsements and things like that that comes with that to dominate the construction industry. Can you talk about that decision that you made? Yeah, it was pretty tough, actually. You know, I had no one calling me to go to the NFL. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I... Was it a starter? I was the, <laughs> was it that good? So not really a decision, but I appreciate that. Um, but uh, truthfully, I always wanted to come back and work for the family construction business. So even if I were graced with the opportunity to go to the NFL, I'd probably be back in the same spot of mine, especially now since most of my old teammates are retired these days. That makes sense. You are getting up there, but still very youthful at heart, and you can still display your athleticism in events like the Fall Classic. I mean, J.P. Collins, it's a big family business. You decided to go off on your own for several years, not not to the league, but um, on the East Coast, I believe, before joining the company. Why did you do that? And it seemed like you knew you would always come back to that business. Um, yeah, so I was told to do that again. Uh, so part of our... Um when I was in high school, my generation, so I'm the fifth generation of uh, Cullens working in the family business. So um, the fourth generation, my dad and uncles, they um, brought some consultants on, set up a, it's called a family employment policy. So basically, depending on your education, you at least had to graduate high school. But after that, there was a path laid out for you. And the main point of it was go out on your own in the construction, real estate, architect, engineer world first. See if it's something you truly want to do, because as Joe can attest here, it's a tough business. It's not easy. Um, so my wife was getting her doctorate in physical therapy from BU, went out to Boston, started a facade restoration, parking garage restoration company out there with my um, uncle, who was from Wellesley, born and raised Wellesley out there. Um, but it was like you said, I graduated in 2007. So went out there. He had left a family-run business because um, the uh, the daughter was taking it over and he didn't think that was right. So we bought a company that went under and um, yeah, we were running, if anyone knows Boston, the Prudential Apartments, there's the Prue Tower and there's three apartments down there. We were doing a renovation of that. That was a $20 million job. So that was the last job. We were out there for about five years. So, Yeah, Sean, you, I mean, We've touched on this in the past, talking together, but, uh, you know, you're working in a fifth generation family business. It uh, certainly brings a challenging yet very rewarding dynamic. Uh, would you be willing to share some of the aspects you enjoy about working in a family business and some of the challenges that come along with it? Um, I enjoy working with my family and the challenges working with my family. You know, <laughs> it's um, part of it. And you guys know some of my, um, my brother, Danny. And then also my uh, cousins, Jeannie, Laura, and George. Um, and if anyone's got a chance to meet them, I know I'm not just blowing smoke, but really couldn't have uh, lucked into having better business partners. Um, I'll toot their horns a little bit. My older brother, Danny, went to ASU. He went to the Web School of Construction Management. Um, my cousin, Jeannie, who's co-president, she went to Dartmouth. Um, she is the all-time three-point 
leader for female in Ivy League. Um, my cousin George, he went to Georgetown. He played defensive line there. And then my cousin Laura, she went to Lafayette and she played basketball there as well. Um, so Jeannie and George are co-presidents. Then Laura is our training development. She's taken on some more HR roles. Danny does uh, yard and shop operations for us. And then I do business development for the Milwaukee office. So it's great that we've all been able to find our strengths, find where our leadership is, fit in. There's not a lot of headbutting going on right now in terms of trying to jockey for position or power. But, you know, the downside, like I said, is family. And Patrick, you you know about this. And I know you, you uh, work pretty closely with your dad, too, as yep, well. Yep. So it's just it never leaves. You talk about it at Thanksgiving. You talk about it at, you know, when you go to bed. Those arguments, they come more heated. The, you know, less. It just kind of consumes everything about your life, which can be kind of mentally draining to try and take a step away and just want to be a sibling or just want to be, you know, a dad or, you know, a son, stuff like that. So, yeah, sure. you're, you're all obviously competitive being athletes most of your lives. And that's great. You've been able to, um, avoid any, you know, headbutting, as you said. And, and well, I mean, you know, there's always minor yeah. things here and there, but talk uh, about a powerhouse family though. The Cohen's. Cohen's wow. yeah. Get, yeah. Getting it done. Yeah. Speaking of powerhouse <laughs> family, I know, I know you had, um, a, a football related question yeah, so, to two powerhouse organizations yep, was, just clashing that. Yeah. So I wanted to, uh, I wanted to ask Sean about this. Um, so maybe it was more, you know, the family, um, the family dominance that made you get back into construction. But one of the questions I did have was um, back to your college football career. So for the listeners who don't know this, um, Oregon and Oregon State have one of the longest uh, college football rivalries in the U.S. Uh, with the first meeting being 1894. I believe it's the longest college football rivalry on the West Coast. Um, games played in November. It's known as the Civil War. Great name. Um, the reason I know all of this, it's not because I'm a nerd. It's because my wife's a graduate of Oregon State University. Um, so shout out um, to Aaron Stanton. Yep. Yep. Shout out to Aaron. Um, so describe to me what it was like to be a part of a uh, rivalry like that. And then did losing in three of the four Civil War games <laughs> that you played in have a big effect on you foregoing your NFL career for construction? Um, that was a little humble brag there for my wife. So go Beefs. Um. Yeah, thank you. And actually, when you brought that Civil War up, I was reminiscing on the last time playing up at Research Stadium is where they play. And it was a straight fog bowl, like just completely fogged out, you know, shitty weather, all that stuff. And we lost. And, you know, Oregon State Beaver fans being as classless as you can think um, as we we're walking off, you know, they were coming up and trying to hit us and push us and all that stuff. So, you know, physics worked well for me being a 320 pound individual. A few of those guys just bounced right <laughs> off of me. But, um, you know, it was a great rivalry. It was uh, tough because we were really good towards the end of it, but the Beavers just had our number for some reason. Um, my senior year, Dennis Dixon was our, our quarterback, and we ranked number two, three games left. Hyman front runner. Towards, towards ACL, we ended up losing to the Beavers. We la lost our last three games, um, and the Beavers were below 500 or at 500. So, yeah. you know, they've got to hang their hat on that one victory. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we ended up winning the, the Sun Bowl. That's the only bowl game that I won. And if you're in college, I would highly recommend going down to El Paso because they were welcoming with open arms. Uh, it's BYOB at... Uh, <laughs> certain locations that you want to frequent and there you just, go. uh very welcoming but don't cross over the border it's not so nice over there 
maybe just as an idea, maybe podcast number two, if we get ourselves back together, maybe we uh, feature it in El Paso. Take it on the road, El Paso. Yeah, now we're talking. I'm in. Tuscaloosa yeah. is also a great destination. I took a road trip okay. there at one point in time. Yeah. Um, I mean, we do have the proceeds from the uh, the Wisconsin Hall of Fame golf outing that we won. <laughs> they were sponsoring a trip to Vegas. Obviously, we haven't taken that <laughs> yes. yet. So, but... Yeah, I've got a question on that, and that's directed at you, Mr. Lubar. Yes, sir. If we could go back to your decision-making for that team, that you had. Could you talk us through that and who you invited, who you had commitments from and who you turned down based on their skill level? Can you just, walk us just, through that? Just oh, as, oh. As, you, as you think of a reason, just to brief the fans. So the champions of that outing were myself, Joe, Pat here, Pat Connaughton and Craig Nall, who's going to be joining the show. And Sean Cullen was a participant in like the Sun Bowl, not, nothing, uh, <laughs> no, no ring at the end of it, but we did win a thousand dollar trip to Vegas. We did. We did. That, and we all decided not to go to Vegas. Yeah. We just decided thousand, to cash out. Right, yeah. Right. Uh, but Sean, to answer your question, you know, I, I had the privilege to play GM for this, uh, this outing. And, uh, you know, so. Some are talking about GM of the year. Just wanna, Yeah, it could be. It could be. Yep. You know, look out, John Horst. Yep. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I got to, um, Exonia Bank sponsored uh, a group of, of four plus one, a, a celebrity, Craig Nall, that we chose. But, um, and in typical fashion, it was coming down to the wire to submit uh, the names of the participants. So I sent out a bunch of invites uh, here and there. Uh, and I so knew I was just one of many. I wasn't special. No, no. I mean, you, you oh. were, you're very special, of course. Was there, was there any particular order to the invites? Well, I, you know, Richie, our host here, was number one because I know he's, uh, he's a golf enthusiast and I needed to have him on my team. So then uh, I sent out an invite to Joe and Pat Connaughton, uh, two of my uh, customers and business partners, um, and Sean, who we had recently kind of become more acquainted and, and gotten to know each other. And I think we had talked about golf recently. Um, I probably sent you a text a few minutes afterwards, not knowing who was going to respond. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I got, I got three I'm, responses. Okay. So I had a full four, full group of four. Um, and then, yeah, I knew you were going to get invited anyways, though, which you did. So basically, how did you know? Basically, he just didn't respond in time. So he didn't respond in time. Really I thought I, bullshit. <laughs> I, th- I, think I, I think I may have responded after Sean. Thank you. Oh, interesting. At least we're getting some honesty. But we have the GM of the year. Are we, are we be, sure about be this? We can go back and review the text. Yeah, we have to check Either way, I mean, it was the team of Destiny coming together. And uh, Sean, you're next up on the on the next oh, on the Cra- next outing. I promise. Well, that. well, on that subject, Cra- Craig has entered the room. Oh, we okay. have a last yeah. question, or should we bring Craig Nall in? Uh, I mean, I was just going to touch on that on the event. Um, obviously, we've been talking about the Colin, the, the Colin name and you know the domination um, of the Collins. But so I think there were fan favorites going into the event. Do you have any comment as to why you know why your team lost? <laughs> Uh, yeah, because I was on it, so I'm not a good golfer. <laughs> <laughs> I okay, appreciate the honesty. Yeah, I'm just not a level of Richie and Lubes and you guys, but I was playing with uh, a couple of brothers, Kurt and Kyle Peter. They own uh, Jack's Inc., which is a lubricant company. Kurt Peter's actually a good player. So that's what I was just yeah. going to say. So you guys, you guys should have at least been able to make his, the playoff. You must have waited. Like I said, it, it was bad. Uh, <laughs> but then his brother's just as well. Hey, guys, it's Richie Burke, and I don't mean to butt in before this amazing conversation with the legendary Craig Nolan. It is an amazing conversation. But as a business owner, I feel like I'd be doing you a disservice if I didn't at least bring up the fact that if you're looking to absolutely kill it 
and elevate your brand heading into 2022 through podcast production, digital advertising. Maybe your website needs an upgrade. Make sure to visit ggmm.io. We work with a wide range of companies from Fortune 500 brands to small to mid-sized businesses. So make sure to check out ggmm.io. We'd love to hear from you and see if we can help you dominate 2022. Thanks again for tuning in. And now, Craig Nall. Hailing from Alexandria, Louisiana, he played college football at LSU before transferring to Northwestern State University, where he lit the world on fire and in one year set the school's single-season passing record, fifth-round draft pick by the Green Bay Packers in 2002. In 2003, he was NFL Europe's leading passer for the Scottish Claymores. In 2005, backed up Brett Favre, had four TDs, zero picks, 139 passer rating, spent about five years in the league, played for the Texans, Bills, ended his career with what has to be the best TD to INT ratio of all time, five to zero, 123 passer rating. He's a Wisconsin Hall of Fame scramble outing champion. He was a member of that winning team. Welcome to the show, Craig Nall. Yeah. Thanks, Richie. Great introduction. Appreciate dude, it. We, we did. It, it is good to see you. We are honored, honored to have you on today. Um, ju- just to dive in. So you played at LSU. You didn't get a ton of action. Then you went to Northwestern State and you made it to the league. Did you did you think you had a any shot of going to, to the league when you transferred to a smaller school like that? And then, it, I mean, you made a you made a solid career out of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was really the the big question is. Um, you know, do I have what it takes? But I know that in order to uh, to make it to that level, I was going to have to get on the field in college. So uh, it, was, it was a tough decision, but at the same time, I know it was the right one. Um, <clears throat> Northwestern State uh, provided a place for me to um, to grow and develop, and you know, eventually found myself in the right situation. Uh, Green Bay, thankfully, uh, pulled the trigger and brought me to be a Packer for a while. So. It was great. What was, what was that like getting drafted? Were you surprised your name got called? Or was it, how, how did that feel? Yeah, well, it was on my 23rd birthday as well. So um, kind of a cool birthday present. I was in the backyard playing horseshoes with my uncle. We had a number of friends and family over um, to celebrate the birthday, but also on the off chance that, you know what, maybe my name does get called on day two. Um, so I didn't, I didn't really know anything. I didn't know I was on the Packers' radar. Uh, honestly, they came in Wednesday of draft. Asked if I, um, they called me back Monday and said, "Hey, we want to send our offensive coordinator down to work you out. Are you going to be at school?" So they flew down, sent a uh, the offensive coordinator and a film guy, and put me through a workout on Wednesday, and then they drafted me on Sunday. So it was a really kind of quick uh, courtship, if you will. Uh, but yeah, it was amazing. Craig, I, I got a question for you. Um, in reading, you know, some of the stories about you and doing a little research on on your career, obviously Richie gave a great introduction, but I came across one that I wanted to see if you'd uh, you'd recall. So we got to rewind to November of 1998. Um, you were playing with uh, LSU at the time. You were on the road versus a number ten ranked Notre Dame team, trailing the whole game. You came in as a replacement to Herb Tyler late in the game and led um, a vicious comeback. Uh, only to fall just short after a drop pass by one of your receivers in the red zone. So yep. first off, do you remember the play? And second, um, just want you to describe the 
the mental fortitude it took to overcome your teammates mistake in what could have been one of the best wins of your college career. And I know athletes, you know, at the high school and college levels um, in particular, you know, can that stuff like that can change their career. So I applaud you for, for overcoming that uh, bump in the road and, and moving, you know, forging ahead and uh, having your great career at Northwestern state and with, with the NFL and everything. So. Yeah, that was, uh, that was one of my, uh, talk about being like baptized by fire. They just kind of threw me in there. <laughs> Herb had, uh, he had pulled his hamstring on the, uh, the series prior to me going in, um, actually on an interception he was trying to chase down before they scored. I mean, if you go back and watch that whole game, it was just back and forth. There was punt returns for touchdowns, kickoffs, fumbles and interception returns, missed extra points. There was just, it had everything. I think we lost, uh, I don't know, like 39 to 36 or something like that. Exactly. Yeah, 39, 36. And um, a minute 22, I think I, they tell me to go in. So I literally, I didn't have time. I just kind of like did one of those deals with my arm as I was running out there on the field. And um, we had a pump re- or the kickoff return, like all the way to the 40, 40 something yard line, but it was called back for a, a clip or a hold or something like that. So we get the ball on the nine yard line. Thankfully we had three timeouts, but I remember the first play. Uh, I just wanted to get a completion. So I dumped it to Tommy Banks, got two or three yards uh and it's like okay now i'm in it and i just i don't want to say i blacked out but i don't remember like any of the play calls i (laughs) I remember watching the game and saying wow that was a great throw oh i forgot about that one you know it's just kind of one one of those moments where i'd been preparing for an opportunity like that uh i just kind of let it rip you know um one of the passes that i threw to abram booty on the sideline the uh who was calling the game but he said johnny unitas couldn't have thrown it any better so <laughs> i thought that's that was awesome. pretty cool that's you know, incredible uh, incredible the one on uh on the on the end zone there was third and eight uh it was a little fade route uh they brought a little bit of pressure i believe and abram got on top of him i threw it right over his outside shoulder right at the front pylon just off his fingertips uh and i remember the next play being fourth down it was probably the loudest uh environment that i've ever been on the field i know it's loud at lsu uh florida Autzen. vikings you know what's that Autzen, university of oregon <laughs> plug there craig craig you know we're in the presence right now of this guy right here who's a 2007 sun bowl champion at the university of oregon sean Collins. <laughs> i was the one that was astonished that you guys were uh practicing golf after the round and before it looked like you were about ready to keel over and die. I was like 90 degrees during that <laughs> golf outing. Yeah, that's, that, that I hear you got, you're like, I'll take two drinks for that one hole. That, that's, <laughs> that, that's, that's why, that's, that's why Craig made the league and you didn't. Yeah, we were out there grinding. Exactly. Exactly. We were, we were out there why, getting that's why ready. We, won we were the out golf there tournament. gearing up. 100%. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was probably the loudest moment. It was fourth and eight. Uh, I'm yelling like from probably two feet away at Todd McClure to snap the ball and I'm clapping and I'm doing everything I can to get his attention. And finally he's like, what? And he's like, I was like, snap the ball. Well, right before that, before we broke the huddle uh, or as we were breaking the huddle, Kevin Falk told me, he's like, Hey, if my guy comes, I'm not going to block him. Just throw it to me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, all right, go, you know, and so I'm just, I'm clapping and snapping and trying to do everything to get him to give me the ball. Completely forgot what Kevin said, and his dude ended up sacking me, and I threw it incomplete at his feet. So, (laughs) (laughs) 
Awesome. But yeah, it was a great game. Yeah, I love we it. We ended up getting the ball back. They they took an intentional safety, and then we get the ball back, and I end up throwing a hail mary, but it was incomplete. So, but we still had a chance right there at the last second. So, sounds like a great game. Yeah. Greg, speaking of letting it rip, I mean, you almost had a hole-in-one in in the outing. You hit some really good shots. How does the mentality of an NFL quarterback translate to, like, a a big stage like the Wisconsin Hall of Fame golf outing? (laughs) Presented Uh, by Lammy Sports? Presented by Lammy Sports. We've got to give them a shout-out, but, yeah. Right, yeah. And Network Health. Yeah. um, I know physically it's a very similar move to throwing a football. You know, uh, I teach biomechanics and all that stuff for quarterback training. The ground force, the rotational force with proper sequencing is just a little different arm path and, you know, your feet aren't moving. Um, but the the mental approach, I think just being in high-pressure situations, you know, where everything is on the line, the ball is in your hand, what are you going to do with it? Like, you know, I think the best really thrive on those opportunities and having that uh, mentality and, um, you know, kind of that approach to the golf game, I think uh, kind of resonates with, with quarterbacks for a lot of the most part, you know, just um, you're able to calm your mind in those moments when you need to uh, and execute when there's a lot of ton of pressure on you, you know, even if it is the Wisconsin athletic hall of fame tournament, uh, the first annual, First annual, first annual. Switching back to your Packers career, you put up some some good, really good numbers whenever you came in in 2004. I was uh, did a little homework, saw some of your highlights. I think it was you throwing a an absolute dime to Javon Walker in Soldier Field at the end of the season. But you put up some good numbers, and then you were kind of looked at as Favre's heir apparent. And then they draft Rodgers on draft night. Like, what what is that for someone like you who's trying to break through and you might get that opportunity. And then they, they go and draft Aaron who, who obviously no one knew he would be as good as he he's been at that point in time. Yeah, it was tough. You know, that, that season, uh, I felt like I was starting to come into my own as that third year. I really made a leap. I actually got some play in time. Uh, two of those games were on Monday night. One, um, there's a little funny story here. We're playing, at uh, Philadelphia, we're getting beat 47 to three at the beginning of the fourth quarter, right? So Favre's done. That, that night broke his streak. He had like, I think 29 games in a row or something like that with a touchdown until that night. Uh, so it ended his, his streak. But <clears throat> the offensive line had a streak going on their own. They were on pace for the least amount of sacks in a season. Like we're going to probably buy 10. So I get in the huddle. And of course it's a pass play and <laughs> Marco Rivera is like, Hey, hey I'm starting to call the play. He's like, I, hold on. I don't care what it is. Don't take a sack. I was like, yes, sir. Gotcha. <laughs> I ended up getting sacked twice that night, but <laughs> hilarious. Uh, but also threw a couple of touchdowns to kind of make up for it. But I remember one of just, uh, in a certain protection, it's a three-step drop. We're, we're told to be aggressive to make a base call, which kind of, it helps the running back because he's got double duty on a couple of linebackers. So we just, um, we kind of shift the protection over a little bit, but I got to understand that once I do now I'm responsible for the guy that they were going to block. Like, okay. Yeah. Just it's Monday night. I'm on the field. Wow. This is great. Okay. Base, base, base. And all of a sudden the will and free safety game, like Brian Dawkins is the one end up sacking me, you know, my very first 
that's a tip. <laughs> and I thought I was going to get beat up in the huddle, you know. <laughs> so it was crazy, man. You know, that dude's got a gold jacket as well. So um, I don't know. They had our number definitely that night, uh, a couple years or the year prior to that, I think it was. Fourth uh, and twenty-six. I know a lot of Packers fans will remember fourth and twenty-six. I remember that. that. I remember that. Yeah, that was awful. Not good. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, um, yeah, I, I felt I, I played pretty well that season, and uh, it was going to be my backup job to kind of lose, you know. So, uh, it's a really good position to be in. Other than you know, Favre's never going to miss a start ever. So, it's kind of like backup, you know. Uh, in, in title only, but um, watching that draft and just seeing it, you know, seeing Aaron sit there for a while, I just had that sinking feeling that he's going to end up with the Packers. And sure enough, when his name came across, I was just kind of beside myself. I got pretty upset, but I said, you know what? I'm just going to go for a run. I put my headphones on. I went and ran. I, I think I ran for like an hour straight. It had to have been over five miles. I don't know. It's probably to this date the farthest I've ever run at one time. <laughs> but I just had to get my frustrations out, you know, and then, okay, it's time to go to work. It's time to really, you know, step up my game. And I I think I had a really good preseason. There's some people that said that I probably, you know, definitely outplayed Aaron. Obviously, he's a rookie and he's got a lot to learn. He had some mechanical flaws early on, too. Um, but they named him number number two and I was number three. and um you know that sometimes that's just how the business side of it works they've got money tied up in him now right. and i'm a guy you know so i'm more expendable i guess yeah yo craig you were in that uh you were in the quarterback room with those two is the is was the Favre rogers drama all it's cracked up to be in the media and everything it made it out to be what was it what was it like that year uh i think initially it was you know yeah. um me and Brett have been there for three years. We kind of established a relationship. You know, I'm from Louisiana. He's from Mississippi. Um, kind of talk alike. We have a lot of the same jokes. We hunt, fish, do all that stuff. And Aaron being from Northern California, just grew up differently. You know, he wasn't exposed to the same things that we did or wasn't really into, uh, you know, bow hunting or anything like that. So I think it was kind of hard for him to fit in. But at the same time, he tried really, really hard uh to be friends with like everybody so there was definitely some insecurities there um <clears throat> you know and uh he was kind of young too i think he was only 21 years old when he came in the league so um i don't want to say immature but uh just just different he didn't quite understand the gravity of why he was being drafted there and i think he was trying to joke but um the first day he got to training camp was actually day two, but Brett was telling me the story when he was at practice later on. He's like, man, you're not going to believe this. I said, what? He goes, I'm sitting there in the cafeteria and Brett was the last one. He's reading the paper. And all of a sudden he hears the door open behind him and somebody said, Hey, good morning, grandpa. And he said, I turned around and it was Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> so on his first day of training camp, he called him grandpa, you know, <laughs> Not really the way that you want yeah, to kind of start best things part. off. Uh, uh, no, probably not. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there was, there was truth to that. But at the same time, we're professional and, um, you know, we were able to coexist. We just – I spent more time with Brett than Aaron did, basically, just simply because, you know, I like to hunt and do all that stuff. And 
I was getting an invite and getting to tag along with Brett at his sweet little setups, you know. Right. Did, does it surprise you that they're all buddy buddy right now, or did, yeah, did you see that coming? <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't. Um, I thought it was very kind of strange, almost manufactured at first. Uh, it seems genuine and authentic now, but when yeah, I saw them on the, on the stage at the ESPYS, you know, uh, like somebody wrote this. You know, <laughs> it didn't seem real to me. But are, are you friendly with uh, with either of them still to this day, or like do you talk to Brett ever? Uh, I text him a few times a year. Might talk to him once. Gotcha. Um, Aaron, no, I did see him. I was up there for alumni weekend a couple of years ago, and um, <clears throat> it was the Bears game, and he had gotten hurt right before halftime. Uh, and then when we go out on the field and you know wave our hand, hey, yeah, all right, time to get off. Well, as we we're getting off, he was coming back on. It was like, hey man, how's the knee? He's like, I think I'm gonna give it a go, and he had an amazing comeback. Um, that's really the only time I've talked to him outside of, um, you know, 2007 was my last year there. I think I saw him one time at, at Nike for a football camp, but other than that, like, I don't, I don't talk to him. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, what, did, what did, what did you make of all the off season stuff going on? Do you think he'll stay with green Bay long-term? It seems like, it seems like he's got a good thing going. Yeah. I feel like he uh, he kind of got his feelings hurt because he thought he was going to be able to go back home to San Francisco and then somebody made a decision that didn't allow that to happen. You know, and uh, the timing of it seemed weird for me, like right before the draft. Why didn't they have this figured out? It was it's almost like right. a tease, you know, so I understand him getting upset. But uh, at the same time, man, like you're the reigning MVP and you're under contract with Green Bay. What do you do? You know, so it seems like he's enjoying things right now, especially after that game last night to knock off uh, Arizona in their own place. So uh, we'll see. Just hope they stay healthy, you know, get Devontae and some of those guys back out there. Uh, keep it rolling. Yeah, I mean, they're winning banged up right now. You just got to really peak in December, January. That's what it's get in the playoffs and then peak in the playoffs is what it's all about. Um We've only got a few minutes left due to due to planning by myself and Ian Abston, but I, I have a burning question I've been dying to ask you for the past few months. So um, when we were heading into the one-hole playoff, you went back to the clubhouse and you grabbed two Miller Lights for the one-hole playoff. And I was like, Craig, you're grabbing two beers for the one-hole playoff. And you, you looked at me like I was an idiot. And you were like, yeah, one's for drinking, one's for sipping. Can you, yeah. we, I want to add some value Legendary. to the audience here. Can you explain the difference <laughs> yeah. between drinking and sipping and just the importance of maybe finding your PAL perfect alcohol level on the golf course and coasting on that? Because like you, you performed at a high level yeah, and, and you were just a great presence for team morale. So if you could dive into, hey. into that, that'd be appreciated. Yeah, I forget who it was. Somebody told me, yeah, my grandpa, he, he doesn't drink a whole lot. But uh, when he does, he only has two drinks. He drinks the first and sips the second. You know, so I always thought it was kind of funny <laughs> to add that to my catalog. But, yeah, you just down the first one, and then you, you just kind of sip on the second one. Uh, it, it gets you to a certain stage a little bit sooner. Uh, we talk about getting your mix right on the golf course. You know, is it music? Is it a mixed drink? Is it a Shiner Bach today? What is it that's going to make me uh, put the ball in the hole as soon as possible? So, yeah, you got to get your mix right on the golf course.
and that that's a wrap on today's episode if you if you guys want the same crew back just let me know i know we were cut a little short on timing but i appreciate sean cullen for kicking things off craig Nall for closing it my wonderful co-host joe stanton and pat lubar and just a reminder this podcast is brought to you by go get it marketing and media ggmm.io and our friends at on milwaukee and i know you got some value out of this episode so please share it write a review follow us that helps us get more eyes and ears on this groundbreaking content thanks again